We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's True Faith Podcast. My name's Alex Hurst and I'm joined today on the line by Norman Riley. Uh, we are here to preview Newcastle United's game against West Ham this Saturday at St James's Park. Obviously, we went out of the, the League Cup or whatever it's called now. I've, I've no idea what the um, sponsor is. But I suppose that's the idea of sponsoring stuff, isn't it? I've, I, I know the name now. <laughs> um, I, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk through last night, and then I'm going to ask Norman a few questions about the weekend and how he see how he sees it. And then he has very uh, kindly put together a guest for us. Brett, a West Ham United fan, will be joining um, me at least in the second half of the show. So Norman, are you well? I'm very well, Alex. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm a bit a bit tired. I wasn't wasn't expecting extra time. Um, past me bedtime by the time I got home. Um, uh, I'm, but, I'm, 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 I must say I'm, I'm a little bit um, despondent about last night's result. But I mean, uh, at the same time, I suppose when I looked at the at the team that had been put out, it was one of those moments where I thought, I this could um, this could go either way. From kind of thing that he puts out a. You know, a, a relatively strong side. I think we'll, I think we'll, we'll do them. But um, the the team that that was put out, it did give me kind of those kind of pre-match nerves. I wasn't expecting, but um, obviously as I wasn't there, it'll be better if I ask you a couple of questions. Um, just a, a few on on the, the players that he selected. Um, I've read a few things on social media about um, Dolo perhaps looking a little bit disinterested. But then I read your match report, and you said he pulled off a couple of saves. I'd be interested to. To hear what what you thought of his overall performance? Yeah, that's a strange one because well, again, when I wrote the match report, a couple of people have commented saying that they thought Darlow was poor. And there's a couple. Darlow always impresses me because he's so quick from his line um, compared to Elliot, and because he communicates much better with the back four. So, for example, he doesn't let players um, head the ball in his own six yard box, and he's he's a very vocal keeper and I thought up until the, the the third goal he had a really good night he was his distribution was excellent his kicking was excellent um he pulled off particularly when at 2-1 down he pulled off two very good saves one um a one on one and another a save low down which were very good um he's let himself down with that last goal I mean it was a header and then a, a player this kind of another player has flicked the ball on which is yeah. a difficult thing for a keeper you'd still think Watching it live, kind of in the Melbourne stand adjacent to him, it very much looked like he just he dived too early. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was disappointing. But I st- if it was up to me, I would still start him on Saturday, no question. But it's not, <laughs> um, and I'm sure Elliot will get the shout. But uh, yeah, a, a good. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a good performance from him. I, I agree. I think um, my, my personal preference will be for for Darlow, but uh, there you go. I think uh, like you see, Elliot will, Elliot will be back in the side. Um, 
another one, and the reason I'm interested in this is because he's kind of, um, obviously his background, I think there's a Turkish family in there and there's been rumours of him going to Turkey on loan and it was Bar- Barla, Barliazar or Barlazer? Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, if I pronounce it jointly, Barliazar. So huh. what, uh, what did you make of him? Did he offer, offer anything that, that kind of maybe you thought, you know what, this could be, be someone who will make it into, into the first team in the, in the Premier League at some point? I wouldn't go that far, but he's, he he was a lot like the team. Um, we started really well in the first five minutes and we scored after seven minutes or something. And then we were rubbish for about 25 minutes, half an hour, which is a long time to be rubbish. Um, and he, he really struggled. Um, and it, it didn't help that he had Saive alongside him, who was also struggling massively. And he passed the ball out of play a couple of times. He gave the ball away. He was knocked off the ball. He got a bit unlucky. I thought he was fouled a couple of times in possession, and the, and it was it was kind of I know we haven't had the best ref so far, but it was a you know well and truly a little visit from championship refereeing last night, where yeah. you basically had no idea what way the decisions were going to go, um, right. and often it was quite funny last night later on the game when a ball went out of play and Hanley and another player ran into each other off the pitch. And he gave a free kick to Forrest, and it was just like Brilliant. it was just like it was. Here we are. It's been a while, but it's nice to have that odd, that odd reminder of why we don't want to. One of the reasons why we don't want to get relegated again. But um, you uh-huh. know what? Se- second half, he Diarmi was excellent last night. Not that anyone says it, but Diarmi was excellent last night, particularly first half when he was playing the number ten position. He nearly scored from his own half, um, which was fun. It was just over. Um, he had a couple of other excellent chances. He made he made a lot of the running. He, he gained a lot of ground. And in the second half, though, I think because of how ineffectual Saive was, but alongside um, Balaz or whatever he's called, um, he dropped Diarmi into centre mid, and right. and played Saive ten. So he swapped those two round, and um, the young lad was was much much better. Beside Mo, he 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 kept possession really well he was kind of I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm sure he's his own man his own player but he was kind of learning a little bit from Diame and he was spreading the play quite a lot so rather than just looking up and looking forwards or looking back he was he was using the fullbacks a lot more I'm sure Rafa had a word with him saying listen use the width of the pitch you, you can pass the ball and he can he played some really nice balls out um, so second half I was I was a bit surprised he was taken off actually because I thought he was doing really well he was taken off for Hayden um, but obviously, you know, Rafa was probably trying to avoid extra time there, um, thinking, you know, we need to try and get some senior players on here to win it. But um, he he looked he looked good enough to be a footballer, yeah. Um, and he didn't look in the second half anyway, out of place on the pitch alongside yeah. alongside his opponents who are who are a, a reasonable team. Yeah, maybe um, maybe maybe he could uh, benefit from going out on on loan for a bit there to get some yeah. experience. Definitely. Um, um, the yeah, you mentioned him a couple of times. The side you now again. I mean, social media skews everything that you that you have. Um, but he was getting some praise on social media during during the game, and I think one. Um, I mean, I, I can only imagine this was was stirring to get a reaction. But somebody actually said he reminds me of Conte at Leicester. Um, did you see anything <laughs> in Saivet's performance that suggested if he does stay, then he might have a part to play? Well, can't they play centre mid? And um, I, I must have missed that game in the last couple of years where where um, he let the ball can't they let the ball bounce over his head by accident at least three times, um, passes the ball out of play and just generally looks unfit. But like right. I said, I think that was Craig Hope taking the piss on uh, 
on social yeah. media to kind of say how bad he was. But um, right. again, the, the other stuff you'll have seen on social media is second half in the number 10 position. I mean, Santa Medi was absolutely dreadful. He really was. It, it was yeah. like, what I felt sorry for him. I shouldn't feel sorry for a bloke who earns more in a week than it takes the average man to work to, to earn in like, or a woman, in about three or four years. Um, woman significantly less probably. Like, it's just... It's he it was so bad it was it was laughable. But then in the second half when he when he played number ten, he he did all right and you think he <clears throat> it's a, it's a bit weird because you look at him and he looks a little bit like Vernon Anita with about five inches on top, um so he's like a taller version but he he could actually go past a man relatively easily which surprised me, and then when when he was coming out to the wing. Uh, this is I was speaking to the lads on WhatsApp, the other podcast lads, and they reminded me that he actually played a winger at Bordeaux. He, he played on the wing sometimes, and he kind of looked best on the wing. Like he's able, he's he's got no pace, but he's very good at like dropping the shoulder, and yeah. and, and, and and creating the angle to whip the ball. And having said that, the corners he took were laughable, <laughs> absolutely laughable corners. Like it's it's if if I was if, if I was taking a corner, that's how I would take it for Newcastle. Just float it in, make sure it doesn't hit the first man. But there's absolutely no way one of our own players is going to be heading anywhere near their goal. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like it was like the safety choice, safety first option. But again, I think with him that he just showed enough in the number ten position because let's face it, and I'm sure he'll get the nod on Saturday. Perez can be very ineffectual um, at times, and that's a criticism that he's going to have to kind of improve on. Um, Saive was kind of very good. He's got a good touch. If that, yeah. you know, he could hold the ball up. He's kind of like a, I would, I would call him a pound land Modi Army. <laughs> um, so he's, I, I don't think he has a future at the club. Having said that, there were a few, a few positions last night when he got the ball where his runs were very intelligent. And he didn't have the confidence to take the shot on, and he really should have. And he played it off, and he laid it off. Or he made the wrong pass, and you just think, well, he's he's hardly played any football, has he? So potentially, if he got more game time, I mean, we really shouldn't be put in a situation where we need him. But you never know what what happens the rest of the the window. I'm just really disappointed it went extra time last night because I thought Diarme was excellent in the number ten position. I'm a fan of his anyway. Everyone knows that, and I know he can frustrate at times, but he he really was good last night. Um, but obviously playing 120 minutes <laughs> last night, there's no way he's going to play on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, I, yeah, one of the questions here was going to be: Do you think we ought to start with the army in the number ten role on Saturday? But um, now that he's played 120 minutes, he's probably shattered. Yeah. Do you think there's a um, do you think there's an argument for putting Richie in there instead of Perez? Do you, uh, I think I think I believe, I'm let it really in that role last night briefly is that, is that right I didn't I didn't see that last night no he was on the wing last night um, right. I don't I mean we're getting into West Ham now I suppose but I don't yeah. I don't see this Richie number 10 clamour from fans uh, he's he's. I mean he, he did kind of drop in a little bit against Huddersfield late on and he's a good he's a good player but mm. um, I don't know maybe I'm wrong I just don't you know a lot of like good number 10s in the Premier League um, I mean, I know he, he wasn't brilliant last year, but you look at someone like Ross Barkley or Deli Ali, like they're very, they're very physical. And I know Deli Ali is kind of, I think Deli Ali is six foot one, and isn't you know ma- a massive bloke, but I think Matt Ritchie's probably just too small for it. And I think Ayose Perez is too small for it. That's yeah. why I like Diarme there because 
because you're that kind of transitional transitional link between midfield and attack, you have to put yourself about. And Deli Ali does that brilliantly. Puts himself about yeah. all the time. You, you know, at times you'll see Deli Ali shove someone off the ball at a centre back, and you realise yeah. how strong they actually are. And I don't know whether that's for Matt Ritchie, but just back to um back to the game last night. I kind of asked you and a couple of questions, Norman. So, do you? It's like uh, uh, this sounds so arrogant, right? But I don't. Know, uh, some of you listening might be the same. I just try to avoid social media. Like when when after defeats because it's just full of bollocks. It is. It's just full of people, um, who and I'm, I'm not saying everyone's like this, but it's just full of people making ridiculous snap judgments, um, over the top comments, and often just you know trying to rouse um a reaction, and I, I'll include some journalists. And I thought Lee Ryder last night put that Newcastle were outfought. I didn't. I didn't say that last night. I thought everyone who played last night did their best. I didn't. I can't. I can't accuse anyone. And, and there was some stinkers in there, some stinking performances. But I don't think it was because of lack of effort. And I certainly don't think Forrest out fought Newcastle. Um, but what, what did you think when you know, in terms of the team he selected? There are people saying, or some people's trying to say, suggest that he's thrown the game. He's done this. He's done that. Do you do you blame any, or do you blame the manager at all for the the cup exit? Um, I, I don't think there's any way that Rafa Benitez would ever attempt. Game, I think to say that he put out last night, I believe that he genuinely thought the team could win. And the reality is, we went one up after three minutes. It was two, two, and eighty minutes. We we were just as much in the game as Forest. And yeah, it, what it does highlight, obviously, is the, the the strength and depth. I mean, for example, um, I think Sterry played right back, um, and he would he would you say he's our third choice right back? Um, and He's, he's just back from injury as well, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we're lacking cover in, in certain positions there. Hanley, I mean, there's an argument that he's put in there to put him in the shop window, but I guess he didn't do any, himself any favours. Um, and now I, I don't, I don't think we're one setting that. Benitez would have wanted to, wanted to go out to the cup, um, but I mean, on reflection, would he would he play a stronger team if, uh, if he knew what the final outcome was going to be? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't um, think so. No. He's probably got, he's probably got one eye on Saturday and ultimately that. Given the first two defeats of the season, given the way there's you know the, this kind of panic orchestrated by the media is almost engulfing a lot of our supporters at the minute. I think uh, the West Ham match is more important, and yeah, I'm I'm a little bit good that we've we've gone over cup competitions early because you know it's always good to have a cup run, but ultimately for the for the, the longer term sort of health of the team, it's, I'm, I'm not going to look on it as a, as a bad thing. Um, and in terms of in terms of meltdown on social media, I mean, I, I suppose I kind of exist in a bit of an echo chamber because most of the Newcastle fans that I follow are, are genuinely positive or, or, or realistic. Um, there were a couple of tweets on there about you know this is a championship team that will be will be beaten in the championship, and you think well, on paper it, it is a championship <laughs> team, and we came up against another championship side and and we lost. It's it's a shame, you, you but know. it's not the end of the world, and I'm not going to read um, too much in the performance. I don't think the performance last night. Will have any bearing on how the same performs on Saturday. You know what's quite funny with that argument is that a lot of that team last night didn't even make our championship team. So what is the way people are going on about it? It's like you know someone posted on social media. Well, you know you know rotated team. The league's more important, but to concede three goals is not good enough for Newcastle United. I did you see who was playing though? Jamie Sterry, who played for Coventry, who are in League Two now, um, yep. Lazar and Handy, who couldn't get on our bench. 
most of last season. Um, yep. Balaza, who doesn't get on the bench most. Saive, who's not in the first team picture. Yep. You know, it's it's hardly like, you know, don't get us wrong, we probably should have won the game and we dominated the second half to an extent. That that should have been the case, but you know you look at you look you look at our rival our supposed rivals. Brighton made eleven changes and played Barnet who are League Two, yeah. scraped past one nil. Huddersfield made nine or ten changes and scraped past League One Rotherham, and we you know we we played a similarly tight game and were the wrong side against superior opposition. It just wouldn't you know Brighton have lost both their games. If Brighton had been beaten by Barnet, some of the eight thousand that turned up there might have been a bit pissed off. But there wouldn't be the widespread, you know, doom and gloom. Um, I agree. That there and I don't is now. think um, I don't imagine that Southampton fans have gone in the meltdown this morning over the fact they've lost um, yeah. two million to Wolves. Um, another question regarding last night's match. Um, I mean, the, the big one, Mitrovic. What did he make of his performance overall? The goal was. I mean, the goal. The finish was superb. There's no doubt about that. Um, but obviously, I, I wasn't there, so I didn't get to see any kind of off the ball work. What his movement was like, and. Um, whether or not you think he could have an impact this weekend? Same old, same old for me. Um, there's, there's no way he could start this weekend. The bloke is not fit enough. Um, I, I do like I, I kind of made a pact to myself at the start of this season that I was going to get behind the lad and I do it games, and not just make it the anti rich show. Um, I, I was really pleased with him for his goal. It was a good strike, as good. He let, he let the ball run across him, took the defender out of play. Not great defending from them, but that's not his fault. He did what he had to do, and like you say, good, powerful finish. Um, that was kind of unsavable. So I thought he started it really well, and as the game went on, he was a handful in their box. When the ball was in their box and he was on it, he was a handful, and he did all right. And that's that's so from that perspective well done he did he did well um positive Every, all of last season's failures were still evident um he doesn't press he walks around more than any other footballer i've ever seen apart from a keeper there was a time because i sat quite close to the dugouts last night it's always interesting seeing you know the coaching staff and rafa and even the opposition coaching staff and how they react to things i was at michael mancien was i think that's his name is yeah. playing for Forest was a captain. It certainly looked quite good actually, but he's playing for Forest, he was centre back. Um he twigged pretty quickly that whenever he had the ball, Mitrovic was not going to press him. So obviously the problem that creates is that he was able just to run at our centre midfielders, who then leave him, then there's a man free and that and, and they're in and it, it you know what the people listening you, you might think it's you know being deliberately negative, but the, as you can imagine, um, the coaching our 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 lot, Rafa, were going nuts. They were yeah. sh- you know, and then then he would try a bit, and then I thought he's going to rocket them here at half time, and Mitrovic did shock come out second half and start pressing much much better. You know the way Dwight Gale does, where you're not necessarily yeah. you've got no you know, it's that having that mentality. You know, you're not going to get the ball. You are not going to get the ball, but you you you, you make the runs. You make the centre back make the pass. Um, and he just doesn't do it. And in terms of his hold-up play, he held up the the ball quite well, Mitrovic. Um, There were good things that he did, but it's like, what's the kid now, 23? Cost 13 and a half, 14 million quid. We're just not a good enough side to to, to have a player like that who costs as much money be so ineffectual for so much of the game. Um, He missed a good chance second half as well, and he probably would have won the game. Positive that he got a goal. I hope he improves. I hope he continues to get better. I hope he takes on the feedback from the coaching staff last night. But 
he's just not going to get a game in the side while he continues to just not do the basics. But we've been we've been saying the same things for a year. Yeah. Uh, so now it's changed really, and I I still think he will if he plays for Newcastle, he will get goals, but he won't get enough of them. And he doesn't do the things that we need him to do um, for the rest of the team. He's he's a very selfish player. Um, I think that just yeah. about does it on last night because what we need to get yeah, on. We've got one more question on last night, Alex, just quickly. Um, the crowd was the. I mean, you said it was quiet in your match report. Would you say there was a? It was like a, a kind of there was a positive vibe, a negative vibe. Obviously, the the the, the might might actually interview. The um the kind of social media the thing that Carragher comes uh, has come out and said Barton, Adrian Durham, Charlie Inglis even last night having a go. I mean this this kind of it almost feels like this orchestrated campaign that just whip up this hysteria with their Newcastle fans. Did you see any kind of reaction to that last night, or was it just fairly flat uh, all around? It was fairly flat. It was just a typical early cup game. It was a, there was a lot of kids there, which is positive. The club should be um, applauded for their ticket policy of ten pound and five pound. Twenty-seven, nearly twenty-eight thousand there. You could, you know, highest of the of the round, which is excellent. Um, you know, all of these other clubs, apart from Europe, we attracted more fans. Um, you could add together Brighton and Huddersfield's crowds, and it would get to nineteen thousand. So nowhere near what we brought in, and I suppose that adds to the frustration. Um, it was fairly supportive last night. You know, there was people. It's the usual thing. There was people getting on, particularly um, a couple of the young lads' backs. When it doesn't help anyone, and I, I always feel conflicted because there are a lot of kids there, and it's the natural thing for kids to do who want to mimic um, grown-ups, their parents, whatever. And it's like there was loads of kids near us, like laying into the team and booing at half-time. Half-time was twos each, booing and booing at the end. And it wasn't, but it wasn't widespread. It was a fairly supportive crowd, and people. I thought the crowd actually stayed till the end quite well. In terms of the end of extra time, so you know what it was. It was a good crowd. Um, good. Can you just imagine if we're were any good? <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We're, on Saturday, on Saturday, let's uh, let's hope that we've got a full stadium right behind Rafa because uh, I think it's it's, it's vital at the minute. Um, there you go. Then I suppose yeah. that's all on last night's match, is it? It is. We need to we need to crack on because uh, it's twenty seven minutes past twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much time I've got got you for. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's preview the West Ham game, Norman. Norman, do you make any changes from um, last weekend at um, Huddersfield, bar possibly Lejeune? Um, so I was looking. I mean, first thing I did last night was I looked at I looked at West Ham's West Ham's team and how and how they how they line up, and I was thinking, okay, so Chicharito up front, he doesn't. He, he's a kind of player who just gets in the spaces that are left, and he's, he's um, you know he's, he's a very dangerous front man. And um, I mean, I was looking at his uh, career stats for the last few years and. His goals per game record isn't isn't huge. I mean, I suppose he's made a lot of appearances as a substitute. But he's got 138 and 348. And then I started thinking, right, who who do you run up against that kind of player? Now, I think I'd like to see um, Mbemba and Clark at centre. Uh, sorry, Mbemba and um, Lascelles at centre half with Clark at left back. Right. The weekend. I, I just I like the idea of Mbemba up against Chicharito. I don't know if you agree with that. Um, I think it's not a bad shot, but I think the fact he played one twenty again yeah. last night possibly kills that. I mean, Lejeune is the one. If he's fit, rumours that he's going to come back in. It's it's. I think you're more likely to see Lejeune. Oh, that's the case. If Lejeune's fit, then he has to be in the side. I mean, give him a bit purely on the air uh, before he's minutes to play against Spurs. He was he was a cut above that, but yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely have him back in the side if, if that was a possibility. I mean, yeah. a pr- one of the interesting moments if Yedlin was back, that would be fantastic. But I've not heard anything. I mean, you've seen he was back in training this week. 
um, because obviously Yedlin back would allow Mankio, Mr. Versatile, to move to left back. Yeah. And would I'd, I'd be far more comfortable taking yeah, on West Ham with, with it's the full I was looking at um, again looking at West Ham who set up, and you're probably looking at it, looking at um, Antonio and AU on the flank, so it'll have Yedlin back because you've got two PSG players there. Um, I, I haven't really picked up on how, how quick Mankio is. He's certainly not slow. Um, and I think they're going to they're going to give us uh, all so, all sorts of problems if, if they're allowed the, the space to do so. Um, but I think again, look at West Ham's team. There isn't uh, there's, there's really tend nothing to be to be scared of. Um, looking at the centre backs, I think they probably line up with um, Fontier and Ogbonna possibly at centre half because we don't. Um, and neither of them up are particularly quick. Um, so up, up front, that's that's an interesting area tomorrow. I mean. The rumours about Gale, is he, is he injured? Is he ill? Have you um, any idea whether he'll be available or not? No, I, I think because he played against Huddersfield while ill, um, when he was way off the pace, and that kind of explains it a bit, you'd hope he'd be back, because I, I would back him to get joy against those two centre-backs. Um, yeah, me too. The key, the key thing is for Gale and for the whole team is the lack of Shelby, and I don't know what he... I was hoping that Diame would come in, even at centre-mid, just someone with a bit more vision than Marino or Hayden, but it's it's likely going to be those two again with Perez behind Gale and Atsu and Richie on the wings. Do you back with to, to to really make inroads against this West Ham side or do you, do you see another very touchy defensive display? Well, uh, with with us being at home I'd like to think that we're gonna we're gonna um press them a bit more than we did obviously against against Spurs and Huddersfield where, where we kind of let let those teams say dictate the not necessarily dictate yeah dictate the pace the we in, in both games against Spurs before the send-off and against Huddersfield, we did kind of limit them to about 30 yards outside our box and some long-range efforts. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't really knock the setup in, in those two games. I, I can't knock it at all. I can see exactly what um, what Benitez was, you know, what, what his ideas were. Um, but tomorrow, I think this team last time, I think they're kind of they're fragile in terms of their confidence. They've got battered off Man U. Um, they're all lucky against Southampton, to be fair. Um, you know, Chichwick got a couple of goals, brought them back in with down to ten men, but they lost at the last minute, so that that's gonna have I would I would think a kind of psychological impact. If we get it if we get nearly goal to settle to settle our crowd, I think that'll be that'll be massive. I think if we get nearly goal the positivity will start running through the stadium and you know, we could go on and win win two nil. Um but it just uh, it just depends that the number ten rule is a real like sticking point at the minute because Perez and Gale in that in that kind of uh, in that like any sort of partnership, it doesn't it doesn't really fill you on much confidence, does it? No, I mean the the interesting thing for me is Perez probably had one of his best ever games in Newcastle for me a couple of years ago on Shelby's debut against West Ham one two one. Yeah, and I like I'm, I'm that's kind of straw clutching here, <laughs> but. I felt that he was playing. He was playing. He was playing. Yeah, he was McLaren. He was playing ten. He was playing ten behind. Right. Um, who was he playing behind? Who was Ostr- Mitrovic probably? Um, and what? What I think I remember when we talked about it on the podcast. Then basically we just said West Ham just kind of had no plan for him. They just kind of let him. You know, no one tracked him. I remember he scored a good goal from outside the box, and he was just as free as a bird. Um, whether West Ham have changed tactically, I, I don't know. But um, I, you know, I, I've, been look, I've been looking at that. I've been looking at that. Looking at that first, first, you, um, first three games of the season. I mean, I even watched the game against Chatham last night, which didn't give any. You know, there's no, there's no indicator in that in that game. Um, 
But they, they, they do seem to set up any kind of... It, it looks almost like a, like a loose 4-4-2 formation. And then, look at the full-backs. Uh, you've got Zabaleta, who is unbelievably slow. <laughs> so, uh, there's, you know, there's a part of us would like to see. I mean, again, um, he's just played a long match, but the, the pace of Murphy, or Atsu, could get a lot of joy against Zabaleta. Um, and Aaron's as well. I mean, I knew he went off midway through the second half. Again, I don't know if there's any reports on him being possibly injured, but... If we can bring on Aaron's in the second half against either Cresswell or Zabaleta, depending on the flank, then then there's the opportunity there, there for um for to exploit exploit that lack of pace. I promise, um, I promise you, Norman Aaron's will come on on Saturday because he was absolutely yeah. fantastic last night. He was a cut above anyone on that pitch, um, and he he's, he's, he Rafa has confirmed he just had cramp, and you know the usual things on social media to people saying the piss, you know, footballer cramp. He's 22, cramp. It's like well, he's battled his way back from. How many injuries? You know, that's all relevant, mate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's I, almost I, like I, I play football. I play football, and I got cramp. I mean, you know, that's yeah. But I'm playing it in an absolutely terrible standard. Well, I get cramp because I'm a terrible player. They're playing the highly professional game. They fit, they fit athletes, but they're playing at such a level and such a pace to get cramp. I mean, it's yeah. But also it? with him, he maybe could have continued, but the psychology of of something not being quite right considering everything he's been through it is probably particularly in these early days best to just get him off and, and make sure yeah. that you know recover but I'm I'm positive if he's available on the bench because of how well he played last night he will play particularly if we're chasing a goal second half on or some of the second half on Saturday he was that good last night um, no, that's good yeah I uh, normally I don't know how much longer I've got you for um, but why do, do you want to give us a quick prediction how you, th- how you think it'll go on Saturday you know what, if, if uh, this is my thoughts from last night that haven't changed, if we get, regardless of last night's results, um, I'm going to totally discount that, I think. If we get nearly goal and sort of the first 20 minutes, I think I think we'll go on and win comfortably. By comfortably, I mean 2-0 without having any kind of uh, yeah. you know, airy moments. Um, obviously, due to the fact that we've lost our first two games in the league, if you get to sort of the 65th, 70th minute and it's still tight, 0-0, um, then that's when the nerves start creeping in and you don't want that to filter down the pitch. Um, but you know what? We're going to win 2 0, We're going to win 2 0. It's going to be a brilliant performance and the sun's going to be shining afterwards. There you go. I, I really hope you're right. Um, what it would be great for is just setting people away beautifully for that international break. There's nothing yeah. worse than going to international break on the back of three defeats or even a draw. It would just like give everyone ready for Swansea away. I don't know who Swansea have got on, um, on Saturday, but they'll probably get beat. Um, so that'll probably be a massive game for them, which we can, you know, I'm sure we could exploit. But I think it's crucial to go into Swansea and Stoke with um, with at least three points on the board, and we could really attack those two games yep, and try and get something from them. Right, Norman, thanks very much for for joining. Work. It's absolutely brilliant, and um, I'm going to be joined very soon on the line by Brett. So I'm joined now on the line by by Brett, West Ham United fan. Brett, thank you very much for joining us. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about where the West Ham fans stand with Billich at the moment, considering the the season hasn't gone to plan so far? Don't know. I mean, the thing with Billich is he's a strange one. He's more of like a cult hero as opposed to a sort of true West Ham legend. I think we're most of West Ham fans. I mean, he only played for us for a couple of seasons, so obviously it puts him in a little bit of good stead. But um, the first season, obviously, he came in. After Paradise and the boys know this, it's a football you get under any sort of Paradise team, everyone was sort of over and moving Coco, 
And then obviously we were leaving Upton Park and we had a pretty decent season. Obviously finished off with a, a win over Man United, which is always fun <laughs> in the last game at home. But um, yeah, and then last season was a bit like brought back down to earth. I don't think he's been helped particularly by the ball. You know, they brought in a few sort of, I say, not up to sort of premiership standard footballers last year. You know, obviously a few of them took a bit of time to sort of get going. And then the old Pyatt situation didn't really help either. So this season it's a bit of a see how you go. And um, yeah, I mean, last year was a bit disappointing, but you've got to be realistic as well. You know, we're West Ham, we're not sort of Chelsea or anything. So, you know, sort of mid-table sort of is, a, is the first priority. And there was a little bit of flirtation with relegation at the start of last year but I think you know as long as we can get those 40 points that's what most West Ham fans will be looking at you get the odd nutter who thinks we should be challenging for that <laughs> Champions League just because we moved into a brand new stadium but I think we have to be realistic so I think it's still like money in the bank with him but um, obviously people are starting to sort of question these sort of tactics particularly now they don't ironically as an international class defender we don't seem to be any good in the back <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you mentioned the you mentioned the stadium there. From your perspective, um, were you a fan of the move? Pers- personally, not that my opinion or any other fan opinions yeah. matters to West Ham fans. I'm gutted he's moved because Upland Park was one of my favourite away grounds, favourite away days. And yeah. um, from, so, from your perspective, how have you found the new stadium? I think it's thing is, like, I was talking to a couple of mates about this the other, the other week, and it's like, you know, unfortunately now, you need a 50,000-seater stadium just to stand still, you know, because that's, that's where everyone's going now. You know, Tottenham are increasing their capacity. Chelsea are looking to build Liverpool. Yeah, even the smaller clubs, you know, everyone's looking to, like, get new, bigger stadiums. And we're in this sort of, unfortunately, I mean, I'm an old-school West Ham fan, so, you know, I used to, I mean, I grew up over Upton Park, and, uh, you know, you spent sort of like up until about 15 trying to get in for under sure. 13. And then like, you know, you got to about 15, 16, try and get in the pub before the game. And then uh, try and get in for under 13 because <laughs> it cost a quid to get in um, some park like, for the game. Do you know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, I've grown up over there. Obviously, you know, like weeknights at Upton Park were a lot, always amazing. The atmosphere's always been good. But, you know, even to be fair with the, the seating, you know, I mean, I sort of went over there a lot when I was younger. And then obviously family commitments and things like that stopped going. But then I went back there a few years, like last couple of seasons at Upton Park and things like that. And, you know, you even notice the difference with like sort of the atmosphere and things like that just with the all-seater stadium. So I've been through that sort of, you know, when I started going, it was all sort of everyone stands up and, you know, you get, you know, you're sort of behind the goal and you're 12-year-old and it's like mad and it's mental and there's lots of like people just going crazy. And then you you go back a few years later and sort of everyone's sitting down and been like that John Thompson and then out of the, the far show you know you might expect some guy to be sitting there with a <laughs> <laughs> like a picnic and go come on come on the hammers yeah and uh, so you know yeah it's obviously a changing dynamic of the sort of personnel these sort of people are going over there to watch football now but you know I think unfortunately you know the people we've got in charge at the moment they, they're obviously looking at a bigger picture they're looking at sort of renovation in Stratford after the Olympics but also that local area and they're sort of trying to close in on that sort of new professional sort of canary wolf sort of dynamic that are going to pay for like executive boxes at Stratford but also trying to still pull in the sort of you know old school Essex and East End fans that used to go to Upton Park so it's a difficult balancing act I think 
you know, if you're a team looking to go forward, and obviously this board, I think, are looking at that, then you've got to, you've got to sort of upgrade. But yeah, I mean, no one wants to lose part of their their heritage, do they? And you know, and Upton Park, you know, was an amazing stadium, and like a lot of fans enjoyed the away games at Upton Park because it was so close to the pitch, and you could sort of touch the players and give a bit of mouth, you know what I mean, and all the rest of it. But it's, you know, it's, it's just part of the times. You know, football's changing beyond recognition from when I started going as a kid. And I think now, you know, that's just, that's what it's become. You know, and you're, you're going to see it all around the country, I think, now. I think all the bigger Premier League clubs will all start moving into sort of revamp new stadiums. In terms of the stadium itself, I mean, yeah, there's no atmosphere. It's, um, you know, it's an athletic stadium, isn't it? It's built for, it's built for athletics and they've, try to sort of make a football stadium out of it but I think I said to you didn't I you know if you're paying £2.50 a week for it (laughs) (laughs) which we are you know then you know you jump at it didn't you and I think you know that was what happened with us it came along Karen Brady's a pretty shrewd operator and she obviously saw the team we were representing sort of you know the mayoral team and everything else coming a mile off and got the best deal that she could for us so yeah I mean in terms of heritage and history and all the rest of it, and as a West Ham fan, I'm probably not completely happy with it. But in terms of appreciating where the game's now going, then you know, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think it's a no-brainer with the opportunity that was come up. A lot of the old school fans don't like it, and that's understandable. But you know, and all the sort of history, you know, it's not just the stadium. It's like going to the games. You, you stop at the pie mass shop, or you go into like sort of, you know, get a burger on the way to the ground and you know, selling the scarves and all the rest of it. Yeah, that's all gone now. Hi. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So you know, but that's, I think that's just the way football is now for everyone. Aye, um, I may as well move you on to the um, the game this week, and then I've I've tried to have a look online, see what West Ham fans are saying. And there's a few few West Ham fans quite confident. What do you share that? Do you think you'll get a win this week at St James's? I don't, I don't think we ever get anything at your place, do we? <laughs> Very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last time I can remember us getting any sort of decent result at your place was when Stan Lazaridis was playing for us, and that was about 400 years ago. Aye. And I think he stuck one in the top corner from about 35 yards. It was a complete fluke. He's never hit a shot like that in his life. <laughs> I remember so. that, aye. I remember that. <laughs> I think you won a couple, Kevin Newland scored a few years ago, but apart from that, you're right. I think they're the only two, right, yeah, two wins yeah, in about 20 no, years. No. Yeah, I mean, we very rarely get anything over your place. I don't know, there's a bit of, I mean, you know, obviously, things, I'm not completely happy in your, in your manner, aren't I? So I don't think Benitez is particularly happy with the way Ashley's dealing with things at the moment. And you've had a few, obviously, a few dodgy results start of the season. And last night against Forest wasn't too good. And we obviously got out win against Cheltenham, which is going to, you know, hopefully give us a bit of... Um, bit of a lift but you know we've got big players out at the moment I mean Carroll's still injured he's always injured yeah. let's be fair so um, and uh, Lanzini's not playing at the moment but they might I mean they're, they're touch and go for the weekend we've missed Coyote as well so and you know the rest of them are better then you know with us to be honest our defence is so I mean there's no pace in our team and the defence is pretty shaky so if we can go up your man and get, get a result get like a 1-1 or a 0-0 I mean I think we might score because um, obviously we've got an Anders up front and um, you know, Little P so I think we've always got a chance to score him so and um, you know so I mean I think best result for us like you know my brain tells me that uh, if we can get a 1-1 or a 2-2 or or even a 0-0 I'd be happy with that if we can get um, you know my aunt tells me obviously West Ham are going to win about 8-0 but I don't think that's the case I think you know we, we, yeah, history tells me we won't get a lot we never get a lot in your place 
and um, you know I don't think either of us are particularly flying at the moment so I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw Brett nice one really appreciate your time thanks for coming on yes no problem take care mate Cheers. good luck Saturday yeah? thank you thank you indeed. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.